Welcome to the Tech Talk Show, an hour of news, views and discussion. Well, hi Dan, welcome to the show. Hi Steve, how you doing? I'm really good mate actually, and we've uh, we've got two guests in the studio, we've got John Holton from Fizara. Hi John, welcome. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, and we've also got Tim Horton, and Tim's from Now Loading, and a few other bit of businesses as well you're involved in, aren't you Tim? I am indeed, thank you for having me, a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, it's great. So, first of all though, Dan, we're going to go to just a couple of things that have happened over the last few weeks, and the yeah. first one was an absolute disaster at the weekend for British Airways. And I don't know if either of you were caught up in uh, what went on, but I came back uh, into the country on Sunday and uh, it was chaos, absolute chaos. Did you, were, were either of you travelling? Uh, fortunately not. Um, no. I did I did uh, see what was happening on yeah. uh, on Twitter. Um, but thankfully, I was uh, I was at home that <laughs> this weekend. So, so the background to it, and uh, John, I don't know if you've seen the story, but the background to it was there was a massive power outage that affected BA's computer system. But what the actual problem was was that they didn't know what was where and who was where <laughs> when they reinstated the power, because they could only go back to their last backup, which was something like forty-eight hours earlier. Wow. So, of course. When this is the story, whether it's true or not, we'll we'll find out because BA have been very quiet about uh, what actually was the the physical problem. But it wasn't a software failure because obviously everybody immediately thought hack or ransomware or something else. And that wasn't the case at all. Apparently, it was a power supply issue, and then because of the halt in the computer system, then they rebooted it effectively. Uh, they didn't know what was where and who was where. So how would you how would you recover from that? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got you've got I don't know it's a bit, a bit I know Fizara is a, a little bit about uh, resource yeah, management stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We and, and we'll talk, we will talk about that in a minute. But you know, it's it's almost like saying, well, and I I actually dealt with another computer system which was um, a nine 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 control system for uh, emergency services, and um, funny enough, we had exactly the same problem. Believe it or not, not many people know about this massive power outage. And the uh, UPS system couldn't kick in as well because it was all going through one particular switch. And it was the switch that failed, not the incoming power or the UPS. It was actually a switch that went. And uh, so they had to go to a manual system. And lucky enough, they knew where every resource was, i.e. emergency vehicle, so they could go straight away on the manual system. Crazy, isn't it? I yeah. Know. Yeah, so you'd, you'd think uh, running a you know operating or a system like that, they would yeah. have decent redundancies. Well, I would have thought immediate redundant. Yeah, you'd have a shadow system, wouldn't you? Yeah, would you? You would. You would. You just you just have a shadow system and go. There'd be a fallback. Yeah, it, it's up, it, all it does is rewrite every second or every minute if you wanted to do it that way. You would have thought so. I mean, years ago, you would have identified all your single points of failure before you designed anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, things like that shouldn't happen. I it definitely shouldn't happen. No, and I wouldn't want to be the person responsible for their business continuity plan either. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He's you, a popular you, person. Yeah, exactly. You, have, you know, hot swappable stuff. You had mirrored yeah. stuff. Yeah, you have exactly. every, everything in place for yeah. the, that eventuality. But so, no, who knows? Anyway, Dan, yeah. I know you've got a story for us. Yeah, so um, there was um, Computex uh, exhibition recently, um, and Arm has revealed two new um, CPUs that will be going into um, mobile phones, I suppose, by um, by 2018. Right. One is um, uh, designed to give mobile devices more power for, for machine learning, um, as well as a laptop-level performance, they claim. Um, and this is all part of the industry developing operating systems and software that um, will increasingly use machine learning to help um, maximise performance. 
I mean, is it, I know, uh, Tim, you're involved in lots of gaming. Is it more and more that games will be played solely on handheld devices in the future, do you think? I mean, I don't think it will be solely on mobile devices, but it is a great alternative to your traditional methods. Mm. So, I mean, uh, PC gaming will always, I mean, it will most likely be king just because of what you can actually add yourself to your own rig. Sure. But for pure accessibility, uh, you can't be the 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 leading consoles right now. Yep. Um but mobiles, I mean every day we're seeing more and more games on Google Play and on the App Store. Yeah. And each of these games are getting are they getting deeper, they're getting more texture, they're getting more pixels. I mean if you look at games nowadays on the App Store and on Google Play, you're looking at quality that far far exceeds uh, original uh, you know quite recent console games. Mm. Mm. So it's only going to increase, so it makes absolute sense to increase uh, a mobile phone's uh, performance and power to be able to cater to that market because I mean most I mean 98% of people now are, who don't consider themselves gamers are actually gamers so they've yeah. all got games whether it be a, a Candy Crush or, or a, a Word like an online crossword or anything like that mm. it's it's all online gaming um, so definitely it's definitely a market to tap into um, I'm just curious if will that increase the price of the units or well, will that remain the same? They couldn't get much more expensive, could they? I mean, what were, what's an Apple Seven and uh, a Seven Plus? Nearly a thousand pounds. I'd say so. Yeah, it's yeah around absolutely. that. Absolutely. Oh, so, and and people always pay a premium for the the latest, you know, yeah. the latest chipset that's going into the phones and or whatever yeah. the latest design is. So. But the trouble with that is, it's they're redundant in a year. You know, the new models out, the new models out. I mean, Apple will bring out the eight. I know it's been slightly delayed, but it will come out at some point, and it will probably be. A year to eighteen months. Absolutely, and, and I guess that what makes that's what makes it difficult for developers as well, because you aim to release, so it doesn't take you know a year to build a game most of the time. So you usually take you know a couple of years to get it to market, but by that time, what you've built it on is now two years old. Yeah. So it's a matter of trying to get what you've created and then port it up and up and up and up. Um, so that's something that you now have to factor into builds, which is quite an interesting element in itself to getting to video game development. Mm. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, we'll, it, we'll see with interest how, yeah. 2018, see how good okay. they are. Yeah, how quick they are. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder anyway, what the price will be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> should, we, should we have a bet on it? Yeah, now? <laughs> I'll bet it, it's going to be more. We know that. <laughs> yeah. John, uh, welcome to the show, and it's great to have you here. And Thank you. Let's just talk a little bit first about, about Fizara, um, yep. exactly what it is and what it does. What What's the, the basis for it? Um, that's a massive question with a massive answer, but I'll try and well, keep take, it simple. Because I loved your website and I had a quick look before right, the show. Okay, so good. there's various elements to it, which is about maximising your resources and minimising the time taken to yeah. do it. Is that some of it? Yeah, there's there's loads of components to it and there's yeah. loads of um, value and benefit to it. But um, I always try and describe it as digital Lego, although there are other um, plastic connecting blocks available on the market. <laughs> um, it is a modular system, and you, we started off... Fizarra actually is a, a bit of a bend on an Italian word, which means schedule. Yep. So that's where the name came from, and we started off doing scheduling for engineer visits. Okay. Um, we've added to that. Now we do asset management, we do time recording, we do... Um, build your own processes, workflows, and 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 everything. Yeah. So, to describe it simply, it's it's a, a platform technology that you buy as a subscription service, um, and it allows you to model your business processes and the way that you work onto it, uh, and then run your engineers and your office. And so, if you've got an operational business, 
um, with people flying around fixing things with tools and doing stuff, yeah. then that's that's what Fazara does for you. So and it it takes you from you know paper and whiteboards and spreadsheets to no paper, no spreadsheets and no whiteboards, um, and it's quite a cultural change for for some companies. So it's um. And it, we're getting a lot of traction because there are lots and lots of big name companies out there that sell something similar for probably 10 times the price. So yeah, I mean, I've been involved in a couple of projects. One was only a resourcing software, yeah. which was Kronos. Um, oh, right. Was, yeah, yeah, I know probably Kronos. This sort of thing. And um, that was massively expensive. Yeah. And also, it, it wasn't remotely hosted. It had to be, you know, f configured for the company. Yeah. So... Um, and also, it didn't include all the other bits that you've talked about. So, but but you started with scheduling. Is that where you yeah. first started? Yeah, so yeah, we um, we um, we. It's a lot. It's quite a long story. But we were working. My business partner and myself were working for a company, and we we put this proposition to the business, and said, "Look, we could do this for you." Yeah. Um, we were working with their engineers at the time, and working to make them more efficient, really. And we put the proposition to them and said. You know, this needs to be spun off. It's not your core business. You're a telecoms business. We're a software, a yep. couple of software guys. What do you think? And they said no. So we decided that if we could get some seed funding, we'd set up our own company and do yeah. exactly that. And that's, you know, in, in its early stages, it was very, very simple. It's, here's an engineer. He needs to go somewhere. Let's schedule him and make sure he makes, gets there in the, in the right yeah. amount of time. So um, scheduling first, and then was it customer relations and the, that bit next, or did it... Did you almost quite quickly decide to build the whole infrastructure around that scheduling? We, um, the, the original idea was, um, you know, we'd, we'd build a, built a whole country uh, in our minds. Yeah, uh, like and, most, and then most developers yeah, do. And we started know. off with, by putting one house on that country, and now it's expanding. So the, the good thing about that, the database and the infrastructure and the design, um, has been there since day one. So mm -hmm. all of the elements are, are in the database. So we just right. build modules on top of that. So you always thought that you would be adding in modules to what you... Yeah, what you yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, always yeah. going to be the way we did it. Okay. Um, and the, the, the reality now is that we've got probably 12, 13 different modules, and they all interwork together. They're all on the same platform, all yeah. running on the same database. Um and the, the interesting thing is, we, as I said, we come up against some really big ticket organisations in competition and we're winning. Um, and it's because we've, I guess we've peeled back the layer of an onion, really. Yep. The fact that the customer actually develops their own processes and designs it themselves. So the core of what it does is exactly the same for whether you're running a care home or whether you're running an engineering business or a property management business. Um, you've got people, you've got you know, engineers running around in vans fixing things with tools and managing assets. Yeah. Uh, and you've got um, you've got to schedule their work and you've got to optimize their work and you've got processes to overlay and data capture to do. Yeah. So you add all that together, um, and it will work anywhere. So we're in sort of four sectors at the moment, which is a bit of a stretch, but mm -hmm. <laughs> aiming for seven by the end of the oh, year. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll talk so, a little bit about that in a minute. Okay. Yeah. So, so how easy is it for different companies to to customize the platform for their for their requirements? really simple uh, it's you, it's we've got to the point now where we're not really training people anymore because uh, my 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 sort of concept was that if we create good software people should just be able to use it so it looks nice uh, and it's it, it works uh, and i always look at the example of things like twitter and facebook they change their user interface and their functionality daily mm. nobody goes on a training course for that so why should any of our users um 
and the result is that we 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 add more features and more functions and more more modules and people just adapt to that and pick it up we do have a few you know issues occasionally but you know it doesn't anyway it's a software <laughs> company so it is very very simple so um you talked earlier they said there were about 12 or 13 elements to yeah a particular what's been the what's been the hardest one to develop and why <laughs> uh well for me yeah they they've all been simple but then yeah. i'm i'm sort of the front end of the company i'll ask my business partner that question and he'll be yeah <laughs> yeah and he'll tell you i think that the one that, to improve on the way we schedule has has been a massive challenge but it's constant improvement yeah. um and now in in my opinion i think it's the best scheduling software on the planet because of it, course because it will all yes and, and rightly so it's your business and yeah. your, your you know your your development but it also enables you to look at things like travel distance, yes. optimising it. So that yeah. in itself is a great efficiency for companies going forward. Yeah, we brought in um, some you know, guys, senior mathematicians, to actually work out the algorithms to do that yeah. travel, uh, if you like, equation that sits at the back of what we do. Yeah. Um, and it allows us to you know, schedule for the nearest engineer, optimise routes, and, and they sort of tackle that travelling salesman conundrum that's been around for years. But I, I, go, I want to go back to your earlier, the earlier part of your question, the um, a bit about the, the the most difficult part to create. Yeah, we've just it's, it's been in the press, thank God. Um, we've just uh, done a piece of work for O2, which was about rostering their control rooms. Yep. So we we help them put people behind desks and, and manage yep. their network, uh, and the complexity of that is incredible. Um, and my if my business partner has hasn't got any. He's got loads of hair, but if he pulled it all out. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have any left. Yeah. So that was a big because challenge. Because of different shift systems and different contracts. Yeah. Or just the, just the complexities role, yeah. of the way that they've, over time, their business evolved into this yeah. process. And it, and, and if you can imagine, you know, you, you work with, with Dan. Um, but unfortunately. Dan, under duress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really is, unfortunately. And that's fine when you two are working together. But when uh, Mary's in the room, Dan doesn't pay any attention to you, and actually you get upset. So you don't like working with Dan and Mary at the same time. You know, quite happy to you've work. You've been with in Mary. our office. Yeah, Mary's great. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and then you, so you've got to add that complexity in, into software. So it's got to be a little bit intelligent to say mm. if this person's working with that person, then don't put this person on shift. Um, and then on top of that, we've got to work out rotor days and bank holiday. They get paid something more if they don't work a bank holiday well which is weird I, and it, it, it is because all of those rules and when when i worked on the one i worked on in the end we had two work strings one was about what can the software do or be configured to do yeah and what are we going to change around personnel contracts because mm -hmm. actually what we see a lot of the time is people develop the system and continue because there's all these odd bits of working and ways of working that have developed over 10, 20, 30 years that if it's, you know, if there's a Y in the day, you have 1.5 times pay because it's on a bank holiday. Exactly that. And you, yeah. what, what you need to do is clean up the HR side, but also develop the scheduling yeah. side. Yeah. And actually that's the best companies and the best projects going forward are the ones that do a bit of both. Yeah, um, because we had ridiculous half day holidays, and then it was some some hour holiday, and it was absolute nonsense. Yeah. and that, that needed to change so the system could, you know, not be too personalised to that business. I think that's what we. Do. Yeah, the the challenge we always face, and and this is a this is a really good example, is to try and not to tailor the system too much to one customer. So yeah. what we try and do is every module is generic. So our rostering module is generic, our scheduling module is generic, yeah. our data capture 
you know, the mobile bit is all generic. You build your own forms. If we tailored it to one particular customer, we'd only have one customer. Yeah. So um, you've got four at the moment. You said you're virtually you're working four sectors. Four sectors, yeah. And what are the three you're, you're looking at? Um, we are in a big one is telecoms. Yeah. So obviously O2, Motorola, blah blah blah. Um, uh, we are we are looking at utilities as well. So we're into a couple of renewable energy companies at the moment. Okay. Um, and we've recently done an event up in Glasgow, which is really good. Okay. Um, we are into hydro, electricity, solar energy, and wind. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you might laugh at the word wind, but no. that's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, well, I did. There was lots of jokes there, but I stopped myself. <laughs> but the, the nice thing about it is there isn't another company. There probably would be if we saw them, but generally there isn't another company that's actually saying we are the number one software to manage all of your assets and people around renewable energy. Because trouble um, with renewable, I've got this thing in my mind, renewable energy, you're going to have very remote sites that are spread out all yep. over the country yep. to get around them efficiently, to undertake yep. the maintenance, repair. and Exactly it's like telecoms. Really yeah, it's the it's same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, so. remote sites. You need to yeah. make sure you're taking the right equipment to yeah. go and do the right repair or the right maintenance yeah. task. And that needs to be managed and sorted. So re renewables is a is yeah. a big thing for me at the moment, and I'm you know I'm trying to push okay. push us as the the weapon of choice in that area. So, yeah. so I can see it really works well for um for for large organisations. But um, how how can you help sort of smaller companies that are just starting to grow? Um, in exactly the same way. Okay. Um, the, the 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 issue with smaller companies is that they they have to actually put their body and soul into it. Because it's a big change, mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of thinking to be done about how they work and how they operate. I mean, we have a customer that's got four engineers, you know, and and it works for them because they can they can take all of the things that they do on paper and put those into the system, and then convert that into a working module for them. And because it's a subscription service, you know about you know servers and yes. shared environments and virtual you know virtual servers etc. We can do it. You know, so that it's affordable for them. Mm. So, yeah, we go from four engineers up to, I think our biggest customer at the moment is around about 375. So is it payable by license or individual member of staff or is it... Per license, per, per month. Per, month. per yeah. user per month. Okay, it's so it's relatively straightforward yeah. pricing structure for people. Yeah, there's a bit follow. of a start-up fee. Yeah, you know, sure. We have to, to yeah, spin yeah. up a virtual yeah. environment and a little bit of hand-holding. Yeah, costs, yeah. obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not a lot. So, um, obviously, you've been in business a while, I think three or four years in terms yeah, of this yeah. four thousand years no four <laughs> four years four years so um going back to the start when you you raised your seed funding and everything yeah. else what's wh what have you learned that you would have done differently in that four years um everything <laughs> no, everything i think not. no not not everything i think um we we were pretty self-sufficient we started Sounded on a, like it, yeah. we found a contract that uh, with a german company and they they tore up a contract with a a big 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 ticket software business and said okay you've got the know-how go and make make us one of these and we did uh, and that got us started I and mean, it was a, a room not much bigger than this studio we started four of us in there um we're now in a, a much bigger office um, I think for me, the biggest challenge has been getting investment. Yeah. We went out to get investment um, probably 18 months ago. Um, and it's a real money go round. We eventually found a good company that were a, a crowdfunding company. Um, and we're still with them. We still work with them very, very closely. But the, uh, I think the, fa the fact is that you don't know what you're doing. 
Yeah. You know, you work if you work in a large corporation and you come out of it and set up your own business, there's no guidebook <laughs> no. to getting investment. And also the market to raise funds has changed substantially oh, since yeah. two thousand and eight. Yeah. And I think that's probably Tim, you you're seeing the same around the gaming industry, aren't you, about people developing games. Oh absolutely, absolutely yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's constantly evolving. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. quicker than ever as well. We've never seen it yeah. a, a rise like this. So um the only thing I'd like you to do is please could you develop a system for plumbers so they actually turn up on time because <laughs> they are notoriously bad. That's what we'd like to see, wouldn't we? Yep. Well, you know what? We, <laughs> I'd love to have a plumbing company on our books, but we haven't got one yet. Maybe well, I'll, yeah, I'll promise yeah. you if, we, if I come back for another <laughs> session with you, yeah, I'll have a plumber <laughs> on by then. <laughs> um, we could talk all, all show, but John, uh, it's been lovely to talk to you about Thank your you. business. Um, people can get more information by going to your website, yeah, yeah. which is fizara.com. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you so much for joining us, and you're going to stay with us for the rest of the show. Excellent. Thanks lovely. very much. Thank you so much. Um, that sounds great, Dan, didn't yeah, it? It was great. Yeah, yeah, really, fantastic. really good. Well, it's that time of the show where we go to unboxing. It is. And now here's Danny, and uh, we have a Afternoon. box. Afternoon. How you doing, Danny? All right. Uh, we've got a box. So Dan's going to open it up, <laughs> and then we're just going to pass it around and have a look and play with it. So, what have okay. we got, Danny? Oh. Oh, okay. So, uh, actually, quite a nice boxing. Yep. Quite a large box. Quite a large. It's got. Quite a large box. It's got a, a parrot mini drones, jumping race drone. It's called Max. Okay, that looks quite interesting. Yep. I like. What do you think of the packaging, Tim? What do you think? I think it looks great. So yeah, it does. Yeah. Crisp and clean. Yeah, really, really good. Modern. Yeah. Anything with the word drone on it and it's mini, be, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what parrot's got to do with it, but <laughs> parrot mini drone. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that would conjure up first. No, of all. But no, no, I have no looks, idea myself. It's like a nice box. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's get stuck in. I'm sure we can break it. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. I'm being foxed by the... So, fully structures all over it. It's got a seal on it, I think. Yeah, it's all... Oh, Use your oh, pen. No. Oh, oh, there we go. It's going so, to badly, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to get torn, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> here we go. It looks like a box okay, of chocolates. So there's a uh, micro-USB cable. It looks like a box of chocolates. Yeah. Well, the top <laughs> bit does. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah, 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 that yeah, bit, right, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say that's not... <laughs> yeah. yeah, lucky Caroline. Do you think this looks like a box of chocolates? Okay, so it's oh, um, right. so there's this. I'll pass it over while I'm. I'll you have a look at that. Yeah. yeah. So there's a drone in a. Um, it looks. Um, it's got um, two large wheels, so it looks like it's more like a remote control vehicle than a um, than a flying drone. Uh, with a red section in the middle, it's like it's got a camera in it. Like the world's, it's like the world's hardest packaging to mm -hmm. do. Oh, I nearly dropped it then as well. Christmas yes. at your house must be fantastic. <laughs> it's the longest day ever. So, so <laughs> start in, early. Yeah. In the box as well, while Steve is wrestling. Right, there we there. go. I'll pass that over to you. There you go, John. Cheers. Okay. Thank and you. there's uh, a stickers. Uh, oh, so you can decorate your own yeah, you can de drone thing. You can decorate it, Steve. Oh, how lovely. There you go. I'll <laughs> put some stickers on in a minute. Oh, there's instructions here. Is it worth looking at the instructions? No, oh, no I don't think so. No. So they're the instructions. Oh, are they? I oh, can't oh, see it. All oh, right, it's a it's a jumping drone. Is it a night drone or a race drone? So are no, we this saying is, this it's is a stunt drone? This sort is of thing? yeah. This is it's called Max. It's the one that's Max. 
The one that's maxed. Do we okay. talk to? Oh, I've got yeah. Jumping. <laughs> so switch it on. It's a jumping max rush. jump. Yeah. Okay. This is not going to go well, this Dan. Is it? Isn't, is it? It really isn't, mate. Uh, is it charged? Oh, hang on. I think I've found the on button. Have you? I think so. Yeah, no, it's not going to be charged, is it? It's probably not even got batteries in it. Come on, guys. Of course it has. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You've not let us down again, Danny, okay, have you? Downloaded. Never let you down. Okay, so you've got the app downloaded. Already downloaded for you? Oh, okay. something like a bit of preparation. Okay, so I think I've turned it on then. My first time. <laughs> it's not my first rodeo, as they say. <laughs> Do you want to, you need to see how it turns on? We don't even know which way round it goes. Right, is that on? It's the best radio. It's, really, it is really the worst radio you will ever listen to. Uh, so Danny is just trying to turn it on now, and he's having a bit of problems, as always. Uh, Dan's got the instructions, and it really is... It's like a broadsheet. It is, <laughs> basically. It's like yeah. Daily Telegraph. Trying to work your way through that. Have you actually got to the English section yet? Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> let's pass some of that. I'll do the video. Hang on. It's all gone peep tong. I'll do the videoing. It was working before I left the office. I promise. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. As oh. always, the same old excuses it is, come out. It? Yeah. It's all right. It's, it's all going in the red. Could book. you could you just worry. rustle that paper a little bit more for me? That's <laughs> it. So I'm making it sound like something's happening. Yeah. I don't know what you were videoing then. I was videoing his crutch. I've just looked down. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. No, there he is up there. There's the other guests. They're bored because we're waiting for yeah. Danny to finish setting up the thing. Is it working? Anytime soon. Yeah, don't... Any, oh. Yeah. oh, no. Oh. We had it out. We were playing with it earlier. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why... It, oh, oh, it's we've got oh, we've got lights. We've got Here lights. we go. What was the problem? Yeah, operator error, I think we could say. And we've gone green. So what does that actually mean? It's now gone off. What am I actually doing? Okay, oh, no, okay so Steve is now using the, the mobile app to try and control it or connect to it. Okay. Oh, I see. So it, it's controlled via an app you download. It, it looks like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. No, I don't know what to do. In fact, what we need <laughs> is to pass that to somebody who's slightly younger than us who could work their way through it. So, uh, yeah. So if you go to settings on the iPhone. Settings on it? It should already yep. be paired, is it? It should be, but let's just double check. Yeah, I know where this is going to go. It's yeah. going to fly straight off the table, don't you think? I think that would be lucky. Settings <laughs> <laughs> go to the Wi-Fi. Into the Wi-Fi. We're in there. And this should be max. Hold on. Have you got it there? Can you see it? Not in Wi-Fi. Would it be in Bluetooth? It's because it, yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. And now it's, it's gone on. St oh, they've used all the battery power up. <laughs> I honestly have <sighs> never seen one of anything work that you've been involved in, Danny. <laughs> I really haven't. Do we get to give our verdict now? Then? Yeah, we will do in a second. What on Danny or the <laughs> or the both. drone? But yeah, both. both. We'll start yeah. with the drone, shall we? <laughs> Pressure's on. It's not going on. Well, what can I say? It looks great. 
It does look great. <laughs> Let's <laughs> pass it around. Well, Have yeah. a little look, guys. So wh- how does it feel in terms of um, how robust it is? Because it looks like it's meant to run around and bang into things. Uh, do people uh, think it lasts? No. Uh, that would go straight under a car and be smashed to bits. I think in my house that would probably last. In fact, last I might actually run it over seconds. myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> Tim, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, well, I like the big wheels. Yeah, I'm they're soft about, as well, actually. What about big wheels? Yeah, <laughs> and I like the uh, you know you could get good te- like terrier vision on that. Yeah, yeah, I saw camera the camera. Yeah. 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 yeah, we can't even see the camera because I, I suspect mm. that the battery is actually flat because somebody yeah. was playing with it earlier. Yes, Brad. Uh, I mean. With the size of the oh. wheels, you could probably you probably could throw it up around and jump yeah, over things. Yeah, it's pretty robust. You could land upside down and still yeah. carry on going. And I don't know how many times it would survive after going down the stairs though, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. but. It reminds me of an old uh, remote control car I had, which is called the Ricochet. Oh uh, right, and it had okay, the, just, the four yeah. big wheels, so you could, and it had two sides, so you could throw it uh, either way. Yeah, yeah. This is like I reckon a modern version of one of those. I reckon we should go to how much would you pay for the non-functioning wheeled drone? How much do you reckon, Dan? Um, I'm going to say fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen ninety nine, Tim. Yeah, I was thinking thirty nine ninety nine. Thirty nine ninety nine, John. I reckon it's going to be around the thirty forty quid mark. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go with like uh, late twenties, twenty eight twenty nine pounds. So, Danny, give us your uh, give us the details. Could hang on a sec. Try not to mind that mic. mic. Yeah. Okay, so it's a micro drone, jumps over 75 centimetres high Does or it? wide <laughs> if you can get when it, it turns on. <laughs> yeah. um, battery life is obviously not as good as I would like it to be. Uh, Parrot lithium polymeter battery lasts up to 20 minutes and recharges in one hour. Obviously it doesn't. Uh, we should read uh, that bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> the price is £51.17. What? Oh. £51? Mm. Right then, guys. So uh, what do we think? Do we think it rocks or do we shove it straight back in the box, John? Back in the box, yeah. Tim. I think it rocks. Right. I'm, I'm oh. going to go out on it. For I, 51 pounds. I, I, I would play with that. Okay. Probably for a while. <laughs> Dan? I think um, if I'd, if we'd all seen it going, I think we'd probably be you know more enamoured with it. But it hasn't gone. I'm not very impressed with it. And for 50 quid, nah, back in the box. It looks like an 1850s gun carriage. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's going back in the box. So we've had a bit of a rerun on the uh, unboxing. And we... I, I, we're going to go back to it and see if we can get it working. So we've Wi-Fi'd it up. I'm going to pass that over to uh, Tim to have a little go. Is it on an app, Danny? Tim, if you put the settings on the Wi-Fi, it should be on the Max. So uh, basically, it's, it is operating, it's working, but we're it's not sure. It's making lots of funny noises. They're making noises, the lights are on. Is anyone home? Anybody home? So have we actually... Yeah, we're on Max. Brilliant. So we've got him. What's the camera like? Can we see the camera yet? Uh, so I've just got to get into the app. Is the, is the app there? Yeah, downloaded, yeah. I should be on the last page. Scroll to the right. There we go. While you're there, can you f- can you text Danny's mum? <laughs> he's let the show down. He's let his family <laughs> down. He hasn't charged it. Anything else, Danny, while we're on? There's lots more. But yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that for a little while. Anyway, so... Uh, Are we working? It's not, well, it's not that easy to use, is it? Let's be honest. Oh, so we have something. I've right, got an image. Okay. You've got an image. Started, right. So there we Ooh. go. Oh, oh it's we, off. We have there movement. we go. Right. I think we shove it on the floor, shall we? Ooh. Was it jumping, did you say? I have to say, it doesn't seem that simple. There it goes. There we go. Oh, it's... I see it flips over. 
and uh, and jump. So um, it's now been driven around the studio um, recklessly, I'd say. Yeah, it's yeah. going backwards, <laughs> forwards. Yeah. What are the controls like, Tim? Uh, it's, it's it's difficult to get a hang of, but right. I'm doing it. I'm moving it. I'm driving it, and I, the camera's good. Is it? Can you see? Is it up Dan's trouser leg at the moment? Or what? <laughs> yeah, I've got a lovely view of under the table. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. the reverse. Yeah. Oh, good I was going to wear a kilt today as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd have been a nice view, Dan. <laughs> um, so, you, yeah, you Does it actually change our view of what we said earlier about whether it's, uh, whether it's back in the box or it rocks? Well, we know it's pretty tough from the way yeah, I'm driving it. Yeah, it does seem it. a bit robust. <laughs> uh, I think we should revisit. So... No, <laughs> still no, a no. no, I have to say, at fifty-two quid, it's still <laughs> yeah, a no for me. Yeah, fifty-two quid. Yeah. What um, do you reckon? Can it take stills with the camera? Good question. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, uh, not I that that's a swing. It. No. Just interested. Um, no, I still don't like it. I think no. if you put a dog costume on it and made it bark, it might be more saleable. But as it yeah, is, yeah, and I can't see it jumping seventy-five no. centimeters. How it does that, I have no idea. Tim's in, engrossed in it, though. Look. Yeah, um, it's it. I mean, it's good fun. Yeah. It's it's hard to to get used to it. I would like a normal controller with it, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's good fun. It could could it's got a bit got a few legs for me. I like it. Okay. Well, there we go. And that's the uh, what was it called? Uh, Max the parrot wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Max the a parrot drone uh, or something. Mini drone. Yeah. That's the one. Mini yeah. drone. Nah. Nah, I don't it's like not it. for me. <laughs> Throw it away. You can keep it. Keep it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tim, you can keep it. There yeah. you go. Not the phone, obviously, but, that's oh. Danny's, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's enough of unboxing. What we're actually going to do is go to a pre-record now, and then we'll uh, come back after that. So, I'm joined by Ben and James, and Ben and James uh, have a, an app which is called Scrummy Club, which is a, a loyalty app. How important are loyalty schemes to retailers? Uh, hugely important. Um, uh, loyalty in itself can, uh, well, a decent loyalty scheme that's um, implemented in the right way can improve uh, business um, by over 30% that we've seen from a number of different um, research, uh, uh, a lot of research from the likes of, kind of Deloitte and Accenture that will, will tell you that this is um, why big business and, uh, are so enthusiastic about loyalty and why they're implementing loyalty schemes. So we know it's hugely important for big businesses and for all businesses and it's just that typically bigger businesses focus on it in a, a kind of better way um, than smaller businesses currently. I mean one thing that really winds me up actually is having those horrible cards that I get stamped and I might click six and get a free cup of coffee. Yeah. That's so rigid. How does your app help retailers? So um, part of the way we do it, I mean the mechanism is still the same, it's still a buy X gets one free or one half price. The way we help is um, the consumer, the customer, you guys basically don't have to walk around with a dozen of these cards on you, one for every single business that you, 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 you shop at. So Scrummy provides a single platform that allows you and all the favourite businesses that you go to where you live and where you work all to list in, in one single location. No, that's, I mean it's a fantastic, how did you come about the idea? Well, it was um, just a, a kind of problem that, that we recognised ourselves going into numerous different coffee shops and sandwich shops 
florists, hairdressers, and what have you, and um, having a wallet chock a block full of uh, chock a block full of paper loyalty cards that um, we found was really frustrating because we didn't end up getting the rewards that we were due because we were constantly forgetting or losing those cards. So it was a problem that we recognised ourselves, and when we spoke to lots of our friends and family, we realised that <laughs> they too had the problem. So how hard was it to develop the funding stream for you out of your, uh, your app invention and creation? How does the actual funding stream work for you? The revenue model from, uh, from the merchants. So the merchants will pay a monthly subscription fee. Um, that is uh, a, a, an affordable price and it's very comparable to running a paper loyalty scheme. So even getting paper cards printed up, obviously there's a cost involved. Um, the monthly subscription that we have is a, a kind of similar cost to that. So it's an improvement on paper loyalty for a number of different reasons at the same price or cheaper. But also it's a lot simpler for them to run, I assume. You know, you haven't got to you know, reprint, hand out. Yeah, absolutely. So once they're, they're set up, it's um, zero hassle for the merchant. Um, they will get analytics. They've got access to a merchant dashboard that will tell them how many points they're issuing, when their busy days are, so on and so forth. So they have a, a lot of um, uh, added benefit from um, from uh, compared to paper loyalty, but it's way easier to set up. I think one of the key points that Ben's making there is, is the ability to, to actually monitor your return on investment. With a paper loyalty scheme, you just buy a stack of cards and when they're gone, you know you need to fill some up. You don't know how many people are actually on your scheme, you don't know how many points you've got out there, you don't know when you're going to have to redeem them. And you, doing this in a digital way on a mobile platform allows you to, well through Scrummy specifically, allows you to track exactly where you are at any given moment with your, your loyalty scheme. So the advantages are not only repeat custom, uh, keeping your customers in terms of as you know the clues in the name loyalty but it's also about having better uh, information about your customers their purchasing patterns and everything else yeah and it's about engaging with them when they're outside of the shop so you know there's a, a number of these small businesses that pride themselves on building rapport and building a great relationship with their customers um, we're there to facilitate that and help that and help them reach out to their customers when they're not actually in the shop and assist with that whole uh, loyalty aspect that's so important to to businesses of all types so what's the most uh, strange loyalty scheme you've ever been involved with of what sort of sector do, could you think of the tattoo parlor maybe Really? Well, yeah. Which well, get two, get one free. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, whether you like tattoo on, tattoos or not, I mean, uh, it's it's for us it seemed an unusual business. But they came to us and asked, you know, they wanted a, a scheme where it was buy five, get money off on the on the sixth one, and it just seemed a very unusual. <laughs> that is bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, how many, how regularly do you go and get a tattoo? I don't know. No, each to their own. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's uh, t certainly not a, a typical scrummy business. Sure. But yeah. No, no, by any means. So, yeah. No, that's great. Um, I mean, it sounds like a great idea, the idea, guys, and uh, I, I was really impressed by the website as well, which is really great. So, uh, it's scrummyloyalty.com if people want more information. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Or download the app, which is Scrummy Rewards. Great. Thank you so much, Ben, James, for joining us. And uh, I, I wish you all the best of luck with uh, things going forward. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome back to the show. Welcome, Dan. Dan, Dan how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, yeah. yeah that was so, wonderful, wasn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely really good. But anyway, um, introduce our next guest. Yeah, so our next guest is Tim Horton um, from uh, Now Loading and a few other different things. So <laughs> tell us a bit about what you're doing, Tim. Well, thanks for having me. 
Um, that's right. I work for a company called Creators Media, uh, which is uh, based in the US, um, but we have offices in Germany and then um, a number of people like myself that work for the company remotely across the world. Um, the basics about the company is uh, we started in 2014 um, as a, a, a US-based entertainment publisher where we started off with moviepilot.com, which is all about movies. So we had uh, a platform where we invited people to come in and talk about everything that they wanted to about movies. It's a fan, completely fan-centric site, yeah. um, which went really well. Um, and then I joined the company as a journalist. Um, and at the time that I joined as a journalist, I was working with video games. I started mm -hmm. off in movies. Um, and as a, from my personal readership, I was finding that anything that was related to video games was doing infinitely better uh, with the with my with the the readership than movies, so I thought I'd concentrate on video games, um, and started working with the company to produce a video game site, uh, which now exists under the name of Now Loading, and Now Loading uses the exact same model. So we invite uh, people to uh, to write and to gush and to completely geek out about video games. Um, they we then put that through our team of our editorial team. Um, who edit and help we help uh, build brands uh, and build writers and build careers um, through our platforms, which is just a, it's a lovely idea, which is why I was so happy to join the company and yeah. to be invited to help develop the new site because mm. it's a completely it, it, it resonates with me to help people um, who are trying to, to, to build a career to build a brand. Um, so it went on from there. So um, I, then I moved into business development. Uh, with the with the company, so I reach out to publishers, uh, to developers, to bring them on board to the company and help them build their brand and to to build you know build themselves and to advertise their games slightly in a slightly new way. So create new channels to get their games out there. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, which then uh, moved me on to my next sort of my, my next idea, which I'm slightly entrepreneurial at times, um, which was PlaySource. So I wanted to give an opportunity to video game developers to get their games to market a lot easier than, than they do now. Um, and I managed to get uh, the, my own company set up via um, Creators Media. So I approached them with the idea and said, this is great. It really fits with your model. It, you, you know, we're working with people um, at all levels. We're, we're helping them grow. You know, it's video games, so it's a, it's a great market to get into and it's, it'll be really good um, to help video game developers. Um, and from there, we created PlaySource, which I now uh, co-found with uh, my business partner. Um, and we channel it, uh, any uh, content all through Creators Media. But it's all about um, the realization of dreams for indie developers. So we decided to target a niche market of indies first. Um, just because after working with so many developers uh, over the years, I've, we've just found that the, the number one complaint is we've got this great game, but no one knows about it. And it was about trying to get that game to market. And what we do at PlaySource is we provide PR, marketing, um, and content campaigns all at an indie price, so on an indie budget. So we try and make any campaign affordable to that game and to that studio, which, is, which isn't that hard to do if you think about it when, uh, when you're working with our team who collectively have got about 40 years of industry experience and now it's in PR, marketing, we all figured that it's about time that we use that to help other people. And PlaySource is a small team, got about six people um, working in America, the UK and Germany. 
Um, and we work alongside Creators Media as well. So Creators Media are are helping us to help independent developers. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing. I mean, we are we are the, the testimonials that we're getting from helping video game developers get their games to market. It's yeah. just insane. Um, and their passion is infectious. And that's what I love about what I do, because we get to help people build uh, build their dreams online and people's dreams. Uh, these video games are people's dreams. And these dreams become tomorrow's gaming reality for the rest yeah, of us. Yeah. And building these fantasy worlds is just inc an incredible experience. It, the thing is, uh, within that industry, and we do talk to lots of game developers on the show, and, and quite often the, the issue they've got is how they take their realisation, their creativeness in terms of their game, but actually convert it into a sound marketing and engagement campaign to promote what they do and, and that can be really hard for them can't it it can i mean not everyone is a pr and marketing expert no. and nor do they want to be you know these guys have got a fantastic idea they've got them no they, they've got the means to do it they just can't get it to market and that's where a company like PlaySource that can help these guys that don't have a lot of money we can give them the same kind of pr and marketing that the big guys have i mean Nowadays, the only difference is between some of the games that are on the market is advertising budget. Mm. So we've got games that look incredible. They look just as good as the AAA games, sometimes even better. But what they don't have is the means to get it to people. So the guys like Activision and EA, yes, they make fantastic games. But they also have 200 million to put to the marketing and to the advertising. When you've got an equally good game from an indie developer that don't have anything like that. So we try to make that market as accessible uh, to them as it is to, to Activision, for so example. So how hard is it for a game? Because obviously a game that's linked either to a, a film or some other recognised you know, cartoon or whatever else it is, or a TV show or whatever, they've always got a route to market because the, the brand is already known, mm. yeah, whether it's Game of Thrones or whatever else, you know, they, they can do that. But if you're an indie game developer, how do you get your head above all the others and actually get seen by people? And is it about gameplay or is it about... The graphics or the th the theming of your game. What what are some of the best things you can do? Well, that's a, a tricky question because um, it's all uh, every game that an individual will make will obviously think that that's the best game yeah. <laughs> that's ever been made, um, and it's not all about the aesthetics. So you can create a great game that looks great, and you'll get a great trailer, and it'll look fantastic. But then as it gets closer to market, and then the gameplay kicks in. You know, the there's a, we have a very active community now. Yep. So you have to tick a lot of boxes. You can't just release a great trailer with no real good gameplay because before it hits the market, you're going to fall down and it's going to get negative reviews. A lot of community interaction. I would, I would highly recommend that you do as much, as much forum interaction, as much reach out as possible. Talk to your target market. So if you're releasing an RPG or a a Japanese RPG, or if you're using a first-person shooter, dive in to the forums. Ask people what they want. Yeah. So put your concept out there. We're, guys, we're making this game, and we're making it for you. Because that immediately people feel, you know, trying to be everything to everyone is a difficult, it's a difficult thing. So if you have a specific market that you're hitting, reach out to that market, ask them what they want, and then work with them to create the game, which is, again, what we do at PlaySource. We facilitate community playtests. So if you're aiming at an RPG, we will give you as many people, as many gamers as you want and you can work with them to make your game. So bring people on board, especially a lot of people crowdfund nowadays. Use that as a channel. I mean, it's just a fantastic thing to do. Because we've seen that before where uh, play uh, game developers will actually use crowdfunding 
but they'll give people, I don't know, first play or they give them merch to go with the game or something else as an incentive to sign up to fund. Is that right? That's right. I mean, that's a very common practice nowadays. Um, and it, it works. It works brilliantly. But what people will react, will, will, I, will work better is to actually get them to help you make the game because it helps you out because you know yeah. you don't have to spend so much time figuring out which direction to go in because your fans have already decided. I mean, you still you know get executive control, but it's the worst, the best way to go. And so, the companies that you're helping, is it? Um, are they producing games across uh, on particular platforms or across all platforms and mobile? We have games across all platforms. Okay. Um, and and that's again the best thing. So we we've got guys that are working in VR. We've got guys on mobile, um, Xbox One, PlayStation Four. Um, and it, as I say, it's just it's the greatest experience. And then to see it from concept to through to fruition and then speaking to the guys and then you know because you 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 get to know the people behind the games which is something that i i love as well so i've grown up playing video games and now to be able to help these games get on get to the market and then to have to grow a fan base and for people to to idolize and love what they have created and seeing the realization of a dream is uh, you know that is my dream and i just love it so yeah um, across the board, just we want to help as many people as we can. And what sort of so a lot of the larger companies that they, they'll you know plan you know the games that they've got coming out it seems like a, a number of years in a, you know in advance. When it, is there an advantage to being an indie gamer where you're a bit smaller, a bit more agile? Are you able to still produce the same sort of quality game but it, it release them sooner? Absolutely. I mean flexibility, as I said, working with the community, so tailoring your approach to what mm. the fans want, which is difficult when you're working as a big publisher, so when you're working with more than one development team, for example, so a lot of the big guys have third-party development teams, which have been contracted, as you say, years in advance. So they will know the schedule a good few years ahead. So to be able to change channel, to change tact, that far in advance is difficult. So Call of Duty, for example, are now reverting back to, to World War, um, which is where it the started. fans want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because they've been set down the futuristic path with advanced warfare um, and and so they went from modern to advanced it's taken them this much time to come back to it and that's not probably not because they don't want to it's just because that's they were restricted to do that but as an indie you're flexible you can move with what your fan base want um, and yeah absolutely flexibility is the key so John are you a gamer do you do, you do yeah any, yeah do you yeah what yeah, are you, what are you playing at the moment? What would you like at the moment? Oh, I haven't bought anything new recently, but no. I, I did the whole sort of Call of Duty stuff and I did yeah. a lot of online things, but I, I, I realised that I should stop doing it when I was creating my own graphics on Forza and selling them online. Oh, right, okay. Um, loved doing it, but I was wasting my life. So just <laughs> I just got out in the sunshine and, and, and switched the console off, so... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I still play occasionally. My my kids love gaming, so yeah, I'll play with them, uh, whatever they want to do. So, so Tim, what's the average life of a game? When you, how how long will they normally last? Uh, your average um, sort of first person shooter um, will last about eight hours. No, I mean in terms of their marketing and their their saleability. Oh, um, I how? guess it's as how long is a piece of string? I yeah. mean, you've got RPGs. Um, like Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft that have been around for generations now. It yeah. almost feels like, <laughs> um, and you can all you can all you have to do is just keep adding on uh, downloadable content, and people will just keep playing it. Yeah. Um, so an RPG, you've definitely got longevity in that. Um, but again, online games. So Call of Duty is you know it's a first person shooter game, and so there are many others. But the introduction of an online uh, element to it 
um, adds an element of competition. Sure. So you're constantly trying to better yourself and you're trying to better the opponent because, you know, you're fighting against another human. So, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for it. I'll just go online and I'll check my KD ratio. So I, I died four times, but I, I killed seven people. Oh, that's pretty good, but I want to get better. <laughs> and then people will start measuring themselves against their KD and you'll just keep playing and you'll keep playing and keep playing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just whatever you're into, it, it, you can just play forever. And games like Grand Theft Auto, again, there's such large landscapes now in, in these games. You can explore and find new things f for weeks, for months, for years. Um, and especially when they do it on purpose. So they create Easter eggs, so hidden treasures that you can find. And, you know, there are people that just do that as a job. So they'll just... That's all they do. Yeah, and they'll just look for secrets in video games. But people are obsessed with it. And I mean, people it, love it. Some, even, even on YouTube, you know, you see some of the game playing on there. There are millions of views on some of those people, aren't there? Oh, there are. And that's another that's a new thing that's come up with technology nowadays. People love to watch other people play video games. Yeah. yeah which I've heard that, yeah. which I is know. interesting it's, in it's itself. Incredible. How does that? But <laughs> insane, isn't it? some of them are really funny, Dan, actually. There's some <laughs> real there's a, a couple of Dutch blokes or a Dutch and a Norwegian guy. And he's really funny. <laughs> I've forgotten his name now, but he's hilarious. And you watch him play, and he'll play new games as well. So he's reviewing the game on, on YouTube. It's really, really yeah. good. So, so, uh, so, Tim, tell me, what's your favourite game at the moment? Oh, I am a bit of a first-person shooter fanboy right now. Um, okay. And I do have to say that Battlefield 1 is the best first-person shooter game I have played. Uh, okay. Just because it looks incredible. It sounds incredible. The gameplay works really well. Um but again, that all started when I was from a came from Call of Duty. Yep. Um, but uh, Overwatch is a great game. Mm -hmm. So you know that's that's uh, there's a lot of elements in Overwatch that make it that differentiate itself from your standard first-person shooter. So you know, yep. it's very very uh, it's it's non-linear. So you're up and you're down and you're underneath and you know it's, it's exciting and it looks great and it's there's full of color. So it keeps you entertained. But I will play pretty much anything. And again, when we get the clients' games through, it would be wrong of me not to not play to, them. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about uh, race simulation? Any that stand out at the moment? Uh, well, I do, I do love cars. Yeah, um, I, know, I know you do. Yeah, you <laughs> totally. But, um, I mean, just Project Cars looks incredible. Um, so when it comes to car games uh, and simulations, I just think that looks, that looks brilliant. Um, but Need for Speed is always a good one because it's, it doesn't take a lot of... Uh, you don't have to get that involved in it. So you can jump on and you just street race a car and then you can just be a bit absurd with it. So you can add ridiculous amounts of nitrous. You can put a huge wing on the back of your car. So right. if you're just looking for straight out fun, just to mess around in and you're not really bothered about it looking that great, even though they look great. Yeah. Need for, the Need for Speed series is always a winner with me. Yeah, and John, obviously, you're, you're more on the... I had to be, if I was racing, it would be real. Um, I'd, I'd be messing around with tyre pressures and getting the yeah, setup sure. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And I remember spending probably about four hours one cold afternoon trying to increase my lap times on <laughs> the Spanish Grand Prix circuit. Nice. And it was, you know, tenths of a second. And I just, I just sat there. going and going and yeah, going. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting on a bit. I'm not as young as I used to be. And, and that was when I realised that actually I should go and sit in the garden. <laughs> and so, not, so have you pretty much stopped getting now, no, no, no. It's a, it's a winter pastime. In in the okay. summer, I, I like to be outside. I'm a, a big cycling fan. So, but I've tried some uh, cycling simulations, and they're really? quite good. Are they? There's a there's a thing called Swift. I think Swift is it. I think. I don't know. Timmy, you know that? 
Uh, I haven't heard of that. Um, I've been a goat for a while in Goat Simulator. Yeah. Goat Simulator. <laughs> I think I think the the thing for me with 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 gaming, I think there's a, a market. I don't know how ex expandable it is, but there's all those people that like sport that want to be part of a sport they can't do during the you know mm. can't do it during the winter, mm. yeah. but carry on. Yeah. And I, I've got you know my my rig if you like for for my winter training when I'm on my bike. I've got a TV screen. I'm watching stuff on YouTube with people just out cycling. Yeah. And I'm trying to race them. It's yeah. ridiculous. Mm. But if there was a really Any good platform. encouragement to do that. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. A, a sport platform well, you could get onto would be yeah. great. It's yeah. like Tim saying, having that competitive edge, whether it's yeah. online or, or however, yeah. where you can almost mix a bit of VR with Strava mm. and, and course times or whatever else. And I think I think that's where gaming will go. Is absolutely, it's got to be greater physical interaction with the game yeah. as well as visual. I think that's where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's almost uh, imperative now that you have an online element to it. Um, it just because it adds the longevity to it, um, and you, you involve other people. I mean, um, this way you can you can be on your own, but you can be within a community of uh, you know, hundred thousand, you know, a million people. Yeah. So, uh, and. Around the world, I mean, obviously the UK's got a great tradition of game development, hasn't it? Um, you're seeing other countries as well coming up. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is an exploding market. Um, Mexico in particular. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've, I've been invited ne uh, in August uh, to speak at, by the Mexican government, to speak at uh, Gamacon. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be addressing um, all the universities and all the colleges across the, from across the country um, and explain how video gaming is... Um, a viable career now. You can mm. go, f you, you don't have to do anything else. You can go to university, go to college and go straight into video games. You can, you can, I, I mean, I'm going to speak as a veteran and I'm only 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's, no, well, that's what we're trying to communicate yeah, sure. to these youngsters. And it's, it's going to be a great, a great experience. Okay. So um, just in a nutshell, advice, just very briefly, the advice for anybody who's got a game that wants to try and get it to market. Obviously look at how much spend you've got available. And yeah, maximize that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you uh, uh, just approach it correctly. So first of all, don't be overwhelmed and don't give up. Yeah. If you've got a great idea, follow it through because there sure. are people that can help you. The biggest yeah. challenge we've had is by is explaining to people that there's no catch because yeah. we're offering a lot. People are like, yeah, it's great. But what, where's the where's the catch? Yeah. It isn't. It's, it's a straightforward. We will help. We will do whatever you want for you on your budget. So just don't give up. No. Um, speak to your community. You know, figure out where you're going and then choose your channels. Steam's a great option. Use Facebook, use Twitter. Come come see us at PlaySource and we'll help we'll help you get to market. So no, it's as simple as that. And that's um, playsource.co, yeah? Yeah, playsource.co. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tim, for joining us. It's been a really great show and it's been really good to talk to both of you. Thank you very much, John, as well. Um, Thanks. Lovely to just to generally chat through gaming and everything else. I'm going to go and um, play some games then, I think. I think you ought. I think I'm my, I loved Sega Rally when I was younger. <laughs> that was my favourite <laughs> hour after hour. Always pick the Lancia Stratos. Yeah, John, you know what I'm Lancia talking Stratus, about? Yeah, yeah. sideways always. Because it was the <laughs> one that had the most oversteer yeah. out of all the cars, and it was the best thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that game. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for joining us, guys. It's been a really lovely show, and thank you very much for talking about your tech. Pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.